0: So how are we doing? Lifeline? Doing pretty good. It looks like we got a lot of people on vacation or a lot of people with some lake houses or something. I don't know. Uh, But I just uh, for me, you know, I kind of have one more week of freedom, sort of. Um, You know, tomorrow I plan on going up and getting back in my, my room and, you know, getting the The walls ready, if it was up to me, it would just be like prison walls, you know, come in here and face the front, you don't need to be distracted by any of this stuff on the walls and let's get to work. Um, But, you know, that's not cool, you know, according to administrators and all those bosses, you know. Um, And I got to do, I think, Wednesday and Thursday, I got to do some bus training to keep my bus license. Um, So, you know, this week, I kind of ease back into it, but next week, it is just, uh, it's just full force. And honestly, I've been pretty worried about just, you know, doing everything that I kind of have to do. You know, I, I love spending time with my family, in June and July is just an awesome time to be able to do that, you know, especially both of us being in the education system. So you know, I've got 10 months here of, of getting back to work, um, you know, I've got the the whole school thing and doing lesson plans, you know, everything I went to college for, and Then the the preaching thing and I do have to just really give a shout out to our leadership team. They've been really, really good to me, just to kinda let you all in on what we're gonna what my preaching schedule. Um, you know, they they see you know they said, you know, preach seventy five percent of the Sundays, you know, take a Sunday off to just kinda come and enjoy church and um I really enjoyed Chris watch last week just sitting there. I mean, he was speaking. To me, because I was kind of getting overwhelmed with all this this stuff, but you know, the, my my preaching schedule from here on out, just to kind of tell you, I'll be uh, I'll be preaching every Sunday but the last Sunday of the month. We'll we'll bring in kind of a, a guest speaker, and I still may preach the last Sunday of the month if we can't work that out. Um, but that's kind of just what's gonna go on with with my priest, preaching schedule, so you'll be aware of that. And um then the last thing that I've been worried about is just, just this church and God speaking through me at this church and, and leading this church in the direction that He wants us to go. And I've, uh, as I was thinking and just being overwhelmed with this and listening to, to Chris and he prayed for me the other day, I kind of felt some of those burdens lift and I just started looking to the Word saying, Your Lord. All right. I'm feeling overwhelmed and I hadn't even got started. This is not good. I don't want to get in that rut of just going through the motions and trying to get through weeks and dreading Monday. I said, I want to live victoriously. And how am I going to do that with these, you know, with all the responsibilities that I'm going to have? I said, I want to enjoy life. I don't want to just get through life. And so, Lord, what do I do? And all this week, he's pointed me to to John the Baptist and three little words that he says, he must increase. And you know, he goes on to say, I must decrease. And I've just been just focused on that and saying, what does that mean? He must increase. And I know I've already prayed, but one more time, I don't know why I'm super nervous here. I gotta pray one more time. Lord, um, I just need your spirit, you know, to calm me to I know I've been over this. I know you've given me these words, but it just doesn't feel like I can convey them. It doesn't feel like um I, I can do this. So I just pray, Lord, for your power to descend in here, Lord, and just to to do like you always do. Just take over my mind, take over my spirit. Lord, just let these words be your, your words. There's no one like you. Thank you, God. Amen. So in John chapter one, verse twenty two, I'm gonna um I'm gonna, I'm gonna start here, because uh I'm glad you did that. I didn't know if I was gonna be able to read that. <laughs> um finally they, the the Pharisees, you know, they, they come and all they know is that there's this wild man in the wilderness and he's preaching and he's going crazy and you know and they, everybody's got to be like now listen is this the Christ is this the son of god we've got to go check this wild man eating locusts and honey i mean we got to go we got to check this guy out and so finally they get to him and they say who are you give us an answer to take back to those who sent us What do you say about yourself? And I've just been running these questions in my mind. I mean, I'm asking this for me too, you know. Who do you say you are? What do you say about yourself? Now, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. uh, In chapter 40 of Isaiah, verse 3, I didn't have her put this one on here but this is actually what he's quoting from it says in verse 3 a voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way of the lord make straight in the wilderness a highway for our guide and i and i think you know that's that's my job that's what i'm to do i'm supposed to come in here when when everybody you know i remember what it was like when i used to come to church and feel defeated And go in there and just hear just the right word. Not necessarily from the preacher, but for something maybe he said, and I just felt God, and it just felt like I could go on another day. I could get through another week, and not just suffer through it, but be victorious through it. I mean, that's what I'm here to do, is to make straight the way of the Lord. And he goes on to say, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill shall be made low. So, yeah, people down here who we don't think much of in society and the people way up here who think, well, you know, well, they're so much better than everybody else. He's come to level the playing field. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And without Him, He is the way. He's the truth and He's the life and nobody comes to the Father except through Him. You know, that's, that's, that's my job. I'm to be this voice. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And it just still amazes me that 2,500 years ago, you know, somewhere around in there, that this stuff was written. And here we are today still talking about it. And there's churches all over the world still talking about this. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way. For the Lord, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned Him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is one who comes after me, the straps whose sandals I'm not even worthy of to untie. And I just like what he's saying here because he's already, they're coming at him saying, you are obviously somebody special. And he's saying, no, I'm just a voice that points to him. That's my job. That's what I'm here to do. When you see him He's amazing. There's nobody like him. Wait till you see what he's gonna do. You think me dunking people down in water is pretty impressive? Wait till you see him. Because I'm not even un- I'm not even worthy to unstrap his shoes. He's amazing. So in seven months of pastoring, I've realized I'm a voice preaching. His word is a call on my life. I believe He's given me a gift. He's given me the necessary tools to communicate the Word of God. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, what He's given me. He's He's given me the ability to sing and play. And, you know, when I was practicing as a 16-year-old, just all these crazy songs and just sung about sin and everything else, you know, I thought I was so cool. I had no idea He was going to Turn this around and let me sing praises to him. And I'm so thankful for that, because that's one thing that I'll get to do even when we go into heaven. I mean we'll constantly be singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God Almighty who was and is and, and is to come, and I'm still gonna get to, to keep on doing that. But but you know this this preaching thing, I'm glad I can do it, but it's gonna be unnecessary in heaven. Everybody there was convinced, you know, on earth that that they needed him you know what am i going to do repent like we did back on earth you know remember that we did that he's given me wisdom and i'm i i have like this ability to to make decisions or if a decision comes my way to look down the road years months or or however long it is to see how that's going to affect my life and I make decisions based on that. And and people recognize that. They're like, you're a wise young man. And I'm like, you know, wisdom comes from the Lord. And I'm thankful to Him that He allows me to to see things like that. He's given me the ability to to stand up here and speak. You have no idea what a miracle that is. Because when I was a teenager... I remember I had to give some sort of speech for like a beta club or something like that. And I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I was ready. All I had to do was read my paper and everything. And all of a sudden, right before I got up there, I could hear my heart beating in my chest. I mean, it was like, bam, bam. I was like, what is that? And so... All of a sudden, when I get up here, I start talking like this, and I can't say anything. And I mean, I was completely embarrassed. So, if you told me as a 16 year old, after I said, Lord, will you forgive me and come into my heart? He said, Yes, I want you to get up there and <laughs> preach my word. I would have been like that. I'm just going to hell, Lord, because you can forget that. I'm not. I know what that feels like. I hate that. And, you know, that's when really I started getting into playing the guitar. And, you know, we had this little band that we thought we were so cool and we were rock stars. And we walked around like we were rock stars, even though like three people maybe knew who we were. And, uh, you know, we, we did all that, but we started playing in front of people. And, yeah, I'd be a little nervous, but I could do that. And then when I went into college and I went into this public speaking class that the professor knew that I was scared to death just kept putting me up there as much as possible. And finally, it got to be where it wasn't a big deal. And then when I started reading and studying the Word and following His ways, you know, He puts me in front of one or two to ten people at a time, and I get to preach His Word. He slowly builds it up and builds it up to where here I am. I don't mind so much getting in front of people. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I still get nervous, don't get me wrong, but it's at least I'm not up <laughs> here talking like this the whole time. Y'all would be like, that guy's got to go. <laughs> He's got to go. That's awful. Um But that's a big deal. He's given me just these abilities. And and nine believers are like attracted to my ways. You know, they'll come to me and, and say, you know, look, Mr. Hopkins, you're just different than everybody else. How are you? Happy all the time or how do you have joy you don't complain you don't and like and and it just gives me the opportunity to say listen we are only here for just a little while we're a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away you have no idea how quickly this life passes by and I just want to honor him. So even though, yes, I may drive there with a bad attitude by the time I've called on the name of the Lord and, and worshiped him and you know, it's like, okay, I can do this. You know, I can do my job from 730 to 330 and I can do it with a good attitude and I don't want to go in here and just be bitter. I don't want to do that. So he's given me that ability. And it's amazing, and all of that just points to Him. My hope is that in all this, that yes, you are attracted to me and my ways, and you are attracted to me and my preaching, just like John the Baptist, that yes, that guy, I believe... He doesn't go to the internet and copy sermons. I don't think he goes and just tries to find something to talk about. I think he spends time with God and he tells us what he wants us to hear. I believe he does that. Let's go hear this guy. And when you hear me speak, I hope you don't hear me building myself up. I hope you hear me do what... John does and say, listen, man, I'm just a voice. I'm just somebody here trying to tell you the goodness, somebody who's experienced the goodness of God. The one who I'm telling you to serve, there's nobody like him. I'm so far down here and he's so far up here, but there's nothing like serving him. There's nothing like giving your heart to him. There's nothing like being in his presence. So my hope and my prayer is for this church is that I do become more and more unnecessary. And even though, yes, you may want to hear my words and you may want to come and see through the week, it starts to, it starts to just become more and more about Him and you start growing in Him. It's like, no, I don't want to hear Adam preach. I want to, I want to experience God. Cause look what ended up happening in John chapter three, verse 22. After these things, after what things? You know, that's one thing you ought to kind of look at. Well, uh, John the Baptist, you know, he says, I'm not the Christ. It's after that. Uh, he called his first disciples. He uh, he changed the water into wine, so he's already done his first miracle. He went into the temple and saw him trying to make money. And he said, no, you're not going to make my father's house a den of robbers. And he cleaned house. And he talked to Nicodemus, uh, which I got a whole message on that with the Lord leads me. I'll preach that one day. And, uh, you know, in his conversation with, with Nicodemus, we get the most probably the famous, most famous verse, uh, you know, for whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we got John three sixteen from that. And after that, after this conversation with Nicodemus, it says, Jesus And his disciples came into the land of Judea, okay? Which is far off from where John was baptizing. And there he remained with them. Look, and he baptized. Jesus starts baptizing. You know, John was, you know, the one baptizing, but now you see people start to go to Jesus. Now, John was also, he was still baptizing so you got two people, Jesus and John, baptizing, okay, in a near Salem. Now, how cool is that? Like, Adam, I'm from Salem. But, okay, that's, that's bad. So uh, near Salem, Salim, I don't know how it's said, but I like to say Salem, you know, because I'm from Salem. Uh, because there was much water there. That's where he's baptizing there. There's a lot of water. He's doing a lot of baptism. He needs a lot of water. And they came and were baptized, For John had not been yet thrown into prison. I got a whole sermon when the Lord leads on uh, John's prison sentence and all that went on after this. Now, check this out. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Now, this is kind of interesting. So there's like people coming and saying, okay, now check this out. You're baptizing John, right? Jesus is over here baptizing. Remember, the question's about purification. Now, is what you're doing purifying? Is that, does that purify? We're following you, John, right? And over here, Jesus, He's, He's purifying. Now, who's this better? Do I need to, do I need to go get baptized again by Jesus? I mean, this whole question is, John, listen, we, we're trying to follow you. You were, you were the awesome wild man public speaker in the desert. We came to you and we got baptized and you were making straight the way of the Lord and, and that felt great and that's wonderful. We, but now Jesus is over here baptizing. What about that? And they came to John and said, Rabbi, just, just teacher. He who was with you beyond the Jordan. Remember when you baptized him and that whole Holy Spirit descended and all that cool stuff happened? We heard the voice of God to whom you've testified. That guy, behold, he's baptizing. And John, listen, you're losing some followers, man. Like, it's not about your ministry anymore. They're all, they're all going to him. They're all, they're coming to him. How's John gonna feel about this? You know, what's, what's, his, what's going to be his emotional state? We're like, listen, they're not following you anymore, man. They're all going to that guy that you baptized. Remember that? John answered said, listen, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. Okay? That's something good for us all to memorize. I can't get up here and preach a single word unless he gives me the gift to do that. I can't go out here and live for Him unless He gives me the ability to do so. He says, You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ. I told you in the first place I'm not Him. I wasn't that worthy to follow in the first place. But I have been sent before Him. You remember I told you, look, Here I am, I'm preaching, yes, and I'm telling you, make straight the way of the Lord. Well, guess what? The way has been made straight. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're going to him. who has He who has the bride is the bridegroom. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Now listen to this statement. People are leaving my ministry. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Guys, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. I've got joy in my heart. I sit here and made straight the way of the Lord and look, people are following him. I did my job. And his was on such a smaller scale because he had probably months. And here I am, you know, I hope to God that I have years to do this, but you know, my job is, listen, I got to lead you in this growing relationship because guess what? One day it ain't going to be about me at all. I'm going to be joining in with you, singing to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever in heaven. And that's when John says, look, this is the way it works. He must increase and I must decrease. It's got to be about Him. There's got to be more of Him and less of me. So in all these things I was worried about, I kind of broke it down. Where must He increase? He must increase in my marriage. You know, one of the things that the next 10 months is going to bring is Tanya and I fighting for kind of a lot more time to just be together. You know, I can't thank my mom and dad enough because you know, at least once or twice a week, you know, they'll take them and we can kind of go and just just be together. And, you know, John compares this to a marriage and, you know, my marriage should be a picture of what's going to come with the lamb, with the marriage supper of the lamb, which we're going to look at in just a second. My, it should be a picture of that. I love when people, you know, there's a lot of sometimes teenagers, you know, you watch them and Like, they got a boyfriend and they're, I heart this guy forever for the rest of my life. And like, two weeks later, it's somebody else. I'm like, I thought you were going to be with the other dude forever. Forever is only 14 days. You know, I just kind of tease them about that. But after the, you know, some of them get hurt enough, they're like, Mr. Hopkins, listen, I want what you and your wife has. I'm like, seriously? You want what we have we 've been married you know all these these years, and you think we just kind of stepped right in and it was just given to us? you think we didn 't have to work at it, you think we didn 't have to change it and I just give them the whole speech you 're like, listen, you need the Lord to work on you first you 've got to be content all by yourself if it 's just you and him, and you 've got to love him and you 've got to be who you are in him, and you 've got to know that so when you 're When you're finally there and you feel content and whole in Him, you're ready to add to somebody else's life. And if you can find another person that's doing the same thing, all you're doing is contributing to other people's lives. You're not being so needy. You're not going over here and saying, well, you know, I need you to make me happy. Because as soon as you need a person to make you happy, you are setting yourself up for the biggest heartbreak ever, because there, you, you can't put that kind of responsibility on somebody. You gotta be whole in God. And then you add to the relationship. It's all about out giving one another, not just out taking. And this is what I expect of you. And if you don't do this for me, you don't love me and all that. It's about giving and taking and giving more of you and less. It's, I must, you know, he must increase. I must decrease and honoring the Lord. In my marriage, and I love having those conversations with with kids, because then you know about halfway through they're like, Well, forget that, that's too hard. (laughs) You know, I want somebody now. So but in the marriage I thought about, like, Lord, what are you trying to say? Why does why does John bring up the whole marriage thing? And I want you to look at Revelation nineteen, verse seven, and um I switched to uh the New King James right here. Um well, maybe it didn't. No, that was in John. Sorry, you got it right. Um, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. Now look at this. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. I mean, this is John seeing into the future. This is going to happen. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. The bride has made herself ready. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. We dress ourselves with these righteous acts. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. Don't worship me. This is just a messenger. See, and I love how this goes along with John the Baptist. I mean, here's, here's an angel that, that could have been worshiped. I mean, whatever they had to say was so powerful that, I mean, they, they it was, they, it drew John to want to worship them. And I think we got a lot of pastor worship going on in our countries today. And, you know, cause I always think, you know, when this, This church has got tens of thousands of people. What if you removed the speaker? Would they still go? Would they still do it? And and I don't know their hearts. I don't know, but I just ask these questions. Do they have this kind of attitude? Don't you do that. Don't you put me up here where he is, because I'm so far down here and he's so far. All I am is a voice. All I can do is point you that way. He says, I'm your fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus, worship God for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. And I love this guys because if we believe that, that God is about to return and we believe that all this stuff that's happening in the world is pointing to his return, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit in a second. What? Do we do? We start to prepare ourselves. If we are about to enter into this wedding, what does the bride do? And if you've received Him, we're the bride. You do what any bride does right before she's about to get married. She starts to doll herself up. You know, when you see a woman in that white, beautiful dress and her hair done perfectly in the makeup and she's just so beautiful. That person's about to get married in the same way as Christians walking in the earth and they see us and our ways and being kind to people who wouldn't kind to us and loving our enemies and giving to people that don't deserve it and being good to people who don't deserve it. Like they say, what's so different about that? Well, that's our righteous acts. We're the bride. I'm preparing to meet him. My heart has got to be right. And what I'm I want in here a bunch of sin and strife and hate toward other people. No, man, I want him. I want to, I want my righteous acts to be beautiful to him. I want to be clothed in righteousness when I stand before my king as his spotless. Bright. I think as we approach these end times that the bride should become more and more beautiful, not looking more and more like the world, which is what I think I've seen in the past few decades. But I believe that shift is coming, that we will begin to be more beautiful and it'll be obvious. I say, what makes you so beautiful? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm preparing myself to meet Him in glory, and in eternity for this marriage supper of the Lamb. The end is near. I know we don't hear a lot of preaching on that stuff, but let me read and commentate a bit just on Matthew chapter 24. I'll try to go through these pretty quick because as always, I start running my mouth and I look back and I'm like, it's really 11 o'clock already? As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately Tell us, they said, when will this happen? We want to know about the end. What will be the sign of your coming? And the end of the age. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Okay, so it will be, be a time when it will be very easy to be deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Now, are we hearing of wars and rumors of wars? <laughs> I know that that's been going on for, for a century or more. But now we're starting to see this Israel, the same Israel that you read about in this Bible, we're starting to see somebody trying to wipe them out. People that hate them, hate the freedom that they have in God and just the freedom that they have in general. And if they get wiped out... I mean, do we as Americans think, well, I mean, we're, we're kind of the same way. We're free, we're democratic, and the, the people that hate Israel don't like their ways. We pretty much have their same ways. Do we really think that we're not next if they were to be defeated by this terrorist organization? But see to it, you're not alarmed. See to it, you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. There's still some more stuff that's got to go on. Nation will rise against nation. Okay, Hamas, you know, Palestine, whatever. They will rise against Israel. You will see, you know, America and uh, Russia, you know, have all this. You'll see North Korea, South Korea. You'll see nation rising against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Allah. The different religions, kingdoms rising against kingdoms there will be famines and earthquakes one of the um one of the words that was put in there in the new king james was um was pestilence and pestilence is like deadly virulent disease like bubonic plague and stuff like that and just yesterday for the first time we brought Ebola virus 2 hours away down the interstate. And this thing has like an incubation period of two hour or two days to 21 days. I mean, what's going to happen in the next three weeks? Are we going to be able to contain it? I don't know. I'm not trying to put fear in anybody, but I'm going to be watching. They think we can contain it, but something like this has never been brought in here before. So you got these pestilences. Earthquake. I felt one a few months for the first time at my house. Did anybody feel that earthquake that time? I mean, I was like, what is that? That was crazy. Never felt that before. So earthquakes and wahala—does it get any more various than that? All these are the beginning of birth pains. This is still just the start of it all. Then you'll be handed over and persecuted and put to death. At least we're not at that put to death start—that put to death part yet. But guys in other nations, they are. You're a Christian, you're going to lose your head. You're a Christian, you're going to lose your life. In America, we're just now at the persecution stage. Oh, you're a Christian? Well, then you're one of those haters. You're one of those intolerant people. You're one of those people who put everybody down and condemn everybody to hell. They don't get it. And we're at the beginning of this. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray each other. Because it's going to get hard. People are going to turn away from the faith because it's going to get hard. It's going to become increasingly more difficult to follow Him in His ways. Many false prophets will appear. Deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. Are we seeing an increase in wickedness in today's time? The love of most will grow cold. You'll see parents just... Throw their babies in the trash. You'll see them just leave their kids alone in the house to suffer and starve. You're going to see this kind of stuff. But the one who stands firm to the end, us, hopefully you'll hear this voice crying in the wilderness saying, make straight the way of the Lord. Stand firm to the end and you will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. As a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. I remember when Tanya and I were uh, were dating, we went to a church service and there was a a prophet and like they came and like prayed over us and was telling us like that we're going to go into the world and all the ends of the earth. And I was sitting there thinking, how how in the world is that going to happen? And about last year, when I looked on my Wednesday morning devotional site, um, you know, it usually it was usually just kind of concentrated in America, you know, I kind of get these little highlights of where people started to look, and uh, all of a sudden I started seeing Brazil, I started seeing Africa. I had an African pastor saying, listen, I use these things, and I'm using these in my congregation. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, hey, that's great because I don't know what I'm doing either. Oh, we'll do this together, man. We'll try. And I'm communicating with people like this and it's amazing that... I, and as I, soon as that, I saw that, I'm like, they told us. She told us all those years ago and that was pre-internet being big. I didn't know how God was going to do it, but He did. So guys, and... Uh, Just to kind of speed this up a little bit. He's got to increase. In my marriage, we got to get ourselves cleaned up, ready for the Lord to come back. In my workplace, you know, as a teacher, my job's a very interesting one. Uh, it's to make myself not needed. Um, you know, I go in there and there's these standards and I teach kids and if they leave knowing what they need to know, knowing that one minus negative one is two, It's like, man, I have done my job. They don't need me anymore. And I'm like, I've had a successful year. If I'm unnecessary to them at the end of the year. And that's the way I kind of feel here that yes, you do enjoy coming to hear me speak, but I'm unnecessary for you. You got your own copy of the word. You read your own studies and good Christian authors who, who write about these things and write about how to live a pure and holy and godly life because you're doing that kind of stuff on your own that yes, when you do speak, when I do speak, that you do feel God and he does point you in his direction and he does increase. That's what we want. The only way to increase is just to abide in Him. And this is going to get harder as we become more of an anti-theist society. We're not becoming non-Christian. We're becoming anti-Christian. We, I mean, we're becoming a nation that doesn't just say, oh, we we'll do your own thing. Just don't tell me. Say, no, we don't want you to do your thing. We're anti-your thing. And finally... He must increase in this church. I love to read that sign out there. The strength of the warrior is in the tribe. And the strength of the tribe is in the warrior. The strength of this church will be in our individual personal devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. The strength of the church will be in the individual to that degree where we study and we pray and we live our lives for Him, that's going to be the strength of the church. And it's going to work the other way as well. The strength of the person The strength of the Christian will be in the church because when we come as a whole body, it's such a powerful thing. And if we have all this working, yeah, you can come in and maybe you did get beat up through the week, but the strength is in the church. You come here and you get your spirits lifted and you get repaired and you get filled with the Spirit and then you go back in the world and you you honor Him and you live for Him. That's where our strength is going to come. So I'm just here. I'm just a voice saying... Prepare the way of the Lord. Back then, He was coming just as the Savior. This time, when I say prepare the way of the Lord, man, we're talking Him coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Not as a servant like He did back then, but as the Lord and the King, the ruler of all, the only One who saves. And as you get excited Hearing my voice talk about this thing, I hope it leads to you seeking out His voice. So what will happen to me if I do this? Well, look at John chapter 3, verse 25. And band, y'all can go ahead and start coming out. This is my first closing. Don't rush. Okay? This is the first time I'm closing. Um, I'll, I'll work on that. I've only been seven months, okay? I'm a rookie. They came to him, to John, and said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side, the one you testified, look, he's baptizing, and this is what we want. Everyone is going to him. Hey, it looks like they don't need me anymore. They're all going to Jesus. They're not seeking answers from me. They're seeking answers from him and his word. And if we can get this cycle and this culture of where everybody in here is whole in him and seeking him, we'll find lost people come in here looking for Him, and yes, we need to provide an environment where they do like to hear me teach, and they do like to hear the music, and they like to hear the worship band play, but yes, we start out, and we create that environment where they do hear from the Lord, but as time goes on, He increases. These people that come in here, we do take care of them for about a year, two years, and as they grow in Him, everyone goes To Him. I remember one of the things I used to hear people say that I couldn't stand here and was like, well, I used to go to that church, but they didn't feed me anymore. And I said, feed you? Like at what age do you not need the spoon to be held for you so you can take a bite? Yes, as a beginning Christian, you're going to need people to tell you. Where do I start in the Bible? I always tell them to start in John. John has 21 chapters. Read a chapter a day for 21 days. What a great start. What a doable start. And you'll be reading all about Jesus and everything He did. So yes, they're going to need an environment where they learn about Him and figure out what to do. But after a couple of years, they should be feeding themselves. And that's what we want to create here. That we're just a tool to help people grow in the Lord. We're building up to a marriage We are the bride preparing to meet our bridegroom. What do you want to look like? What do you want living in your heart? Bitterness? Strife? Jealousy toward others? Or ever-increasing love for Him that will not reach its pinnacle until you stand face to face with Him? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Thank you, guys.